girls come on out. Sunday breakfast next what time are we going to start? Seven forty five we're going to meet next week. John, the guys will be cooking. I'll be serving coffee.
I'll give him a hand one more time. Great job. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you, Megan. I jokingly call it Megan Michelle's Vision. Uh, if you are visiting with us today, we just want to say a word of welcome. It's good to have uh, Brother Robert Pumpwell back with us today, bringing the message. And in just a minute, our, our lady and our gentleman are going to be playing. So let's stay together. Find somebody you haven't seen this week at home. You're glad to see them here today. So as they play, let's greet one another. Thank you. 
Lord's sovereign or supernatural because he did not make uh, older kids next week. There will be performing presenting Mission Impossible and that's what Greg does. Greg is just incredible. So be sure to uh, come next week to know me and the morning service to know how the, the whole service has been to a welcome time. And uh, also uh, the Nicaragua team there's a deposit due today and Cause the God I serve knows all we have to try on. 
Well, good morning. What a joy it is to uh, be back with you this morning. Uh, Megan, if nobody has told you and the rest of your crew how much you're appreciated for uh, leading children, thank you. Or causing chaos or hurting cats, however you would like to, uh, however you would like to define that. Either way, it's always great. So thank you to her, so many that volunteer and help with the young people here at the church. Listen, if you've got your Bible with me, I encourage you to turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27 this morning. Come on up here, sweetie. You want to preach? I'll let you all day. I promise you. How are you? Are you good? It's so good to see you this morning. So pretty. I have no problem with that. Y'all probably would listen to her before you listen to me. That's fine with me. I, I guarantee you would. Absolutely. Acts chapter 27 this morning is where we're going to be uh, so happy to be back with you this morning. Let me give you a little context of what's happening here as you turn to Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 13. Um, Acts is probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. There's so much that happens in the book. Uh, the, the early church is being born. The gospel is flourishing all over the, the modern world here in Acts. The, uh, the way, as it's called, the Christianity is just flourishing. God's doing some amazing things through the disciples. There's a man by the name of Saul that is persecuting Christians. He's, he's dragging men and women uh, out, and he's putting them in jail because of their faith in Jesus. He's, he's just wreaking havoc on the world at this point. Saul's on the road to Damascus. He encounters the Lord at that point when he gives his life to Christ. and begins, He turns from being a persecutor of Christ to being a lover and a follower of Christ. And so his name has changed from Saul to Paul. And now Paul is going around. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's leading so many to Christ, but that's come at a, a pretty heavy cost to Paul. He's been beaten multiple times. He's been jailed multiple times. He's been put to, almost put to death multiple times. There's just a ton of things that are happening in Paul's world at this point. And what is going on as we pick up in Acts chapter 27 is that Paul has appealed to Caesar. Now, in this day and time, whenever a prisoner was on the verge of being put to death, if he made absolute appeal to be before Caesar, by law, they had to ship that prisoner to sit before Caesar. They couldn't carry out any kind of punishment. They couldn't do what the local law said. If someone appealed to Caesar, then they physically had to be put in front of Caesar. And so Paul in the jail cell was visited one night by an angel of the Lord and said, you must appeal to Caesar because there's so much more that I need to do through you. And so Paul and Luke have been put on a transport, which is on a ship. And they are sailing for Rome to meet with Caesar. Now, the ship is full of all kinds of other prisoners. There's all kinds of sailors. There's all kinds of 
supplies on the ship. And in Acts chapter 27, Paul and this whole crew are on the ship. And we're going to see what happens here with this. Now, I'm not huge into titles when you're talking about sermons and teachings and things like that. But let me just show you this particular one, this particular passage, probably strikes more comfort for me personally. I've read it hundreds of times. Taught in different scenarios out of this passage multiple times, and it's been different every single time. I'll just be honest with you. If, if I had to give anything a title when I was preaching, this would be it. And for me personally, these are lessons that I learned from a life coach. Have you ever felt like in your life sometimes that you needed a life coach? Now, we're just family here. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, I'm not even asking you to shake your head, but. I just wonder if even this morning you're here because you're searching for some type of life coach. You feel like you're treading water? Maybe people are just throwing bricks at you instead of a life coach. Maybe there's things in your past that you wish you could just forget, and man, it's, it's almost a little overwhelming. And you give anything to somebody to come by and just give you a ride. And you're seeking a life coach. This is what's happening with Paul this morning. We can assume that Luke is with Paul. Luke was the one that was kind of the partner with Paul at this particular time. He is the author of the book of Acts. And all throughout chapter 27, we see the words we and us. And so we take into account that Luke is on this journey as well. And that's going to be important as we go forward. I want to get, very quickly just give you three lessons that we learn from the life coach that we find here in Acts chapter 27. And the first one is this, is that everyone goes through a storm. Every one of us. And I can be honest with you this morning and tell you there's been times in my life where the storms that I've walked through, I've had a little pity party. Somebody ever had a pity party? Nobody else? Great. I'm not alone. Awesome. I, I, I've had pity parties in my life. I think, well, nobody else has ever gone through this before. I'm all by myself. Nobody's ever had this struggle before. I'm all by myself. No one has ever been persecuted this much. I'm all by myself. Can I tell you that all of us have different storms that we walk through. We are not unique to each other. We all walk through storms. We all end up in a mess or in some type of quandary that we need rescuing from. We would like to think that our current storm or our past storm is always more severe than anyone else's. But in reality, every storm for every person is significant. But it begs the question, why? Why are the storms in our lives so necessary? Why do they happen? Well, the easy answer is because we live in a broken and a fallen world. That's why we have to walk through the storms. Have you ever considered why there's any other reasons for that? I believe that this is one of the main reasons why we have to walk through storms. Is because without storms in our lives, how could we ever experience the true goodness of God? Think about that. If you never walk through a storm in your life, would you ever really understand how good God is? This is what we find out with Paul here in Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 13. It says, When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But not long afterward, the fierce wind called the Nor'easter rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and was unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Then, fearing they would run aground on the, on the surface, they lowered the drift anchor and 
this way and they were driven away. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. Now, it's been a rough trip for Paul and for Luke and others on this boat. And if you write or highlight on your Bible, you need to catch verse 18 and 19. It says, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. And then in verse 19, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. It's been days and weeks, and it seems like the very spirit of these men has been broken, except for Paul. Now, admit, just hang with me here. Get the picture. An angel of the Lord has come and met with Paul early on. Hey, you must appear before Caesar. So Paul is on the ship that literally is breaking apart and being wave-tossed. He cares for his own life and those on the boat, but when it comes right down to it, Paul's got the comfort of knowing, hey, you know what? The Lord has already told me that I've got to stand before Caesar. So I'm not sure how this plays into it, but I'm, I'm seeing that this storm is very necessary in order to get me to the point that I'm supposed to go. Now, none of the rest of the men that are on this ship, the, the prisoners and the ones that are sailing on the ship, none of them have been given that promise. They're fearing for their lives. They're, there's desperation in the middle of the storm. But look what happens here in 18 and 19. With their own hands, they begin to throw things overboard. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in, the, in, in, a, in a spot of chaos in your life where you just had to do something? Where you just had to do something that you can control? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Yesterday, I was in one of these spots. I got about 100 things going at work. Uh, to be completely transparent, I've got a new puppy in my home. Sweet mercy. It's been 23 years since I've had an infant in my home, and so this whole feeding schedule, going outside schedule, biting everything schedule, I've got band-aids on my hands. That's not for me working, okay? That's that's from a, that's from a basically a puppy child that I have in my home. Chaos is kind of ensuing in my place right now, okay? So I kind of felt like this yesterday. I do two things when I feel like things are kind of out of control, all right, in my, my own personal world. Like, I try to lean into the Lord and say, hey, this is chaos, what are you going to do? But I have to be honest, there are two things that I fall back on even beyond that. I try to do something that's in my control. I love to run, and so I'll take off and go for a run. I can control that. I know how I'm going to feel. I know how I'm going to feel when I'm done with that. I can control the distance. I can control the time. I can control, you know, what's happening in that moment. The other thing that I do is I paint. I really only have a couple of spiritual gifts. One of them is vacuuming, and the other one is laundry. All right? And I am for hire. $25 an hour. Uh, I'm happy to do that. So I go into this mode yesterday. I've been at the gym yesterday morning. I control that. I came home. Chaos in my house. Dogs biting everything. Uh, work emails going off. Text messages. All this kind of stuff. So I just began to clean. Dog finally goes to sleep. Get the floors done. I'm looking for anything else that I can think. My wife's looking at me like, you're a man. What is happening right now? Here's why I go into that mode is because I can control it. It's my framework. The chaos of the emails and work and the dog and all these other things, listen, I can't control any of those things. I can give input into those things, but at the end of the day, who's in control of those things? The Lord is. 
But I've fallen into this trap of Satan is in my ear saying, oh, you need to control this. Oh, you need to control this. Fall back to something that's comfortable. Listen, this is what these men are doing on the boat. They can't control the winds. They can't control the waves. They can't control how far they're going off course. They can't control either with, even if they're going to live or die. But here's the one thing they could control. Hey, everything that's on the boat, let's just chunk it off. Makes no sense. It doesn't help the boat sail any better. It doesn't cause it to go on a straighter path. If anything, now it's lighter and it's going faster than it was before. We already see in the Word, Luke tells us they had even tried to put down the anchor to drag along so they'd be told that's gone. They're doing anything that they can to be in control of the situation. As people, we feel like that we have to do something. Panic begins to set in here on the boat, and sometimes it set in, sets in in our own human life. And in the midst of the storm, panic ensues, and instead of running to the throne of grace and just sitting there for as long as it takes to get through the storm, we want to find something that we can do with our own hands. I feel for the guy. This is what these men are doing here. It's their way of trying to say, let me do something to handle the storm. And I tell you, friends, listen, you and I can't handle any storm. Only Jesus can. You and I can't calm any wind, can we? Only Jesus can. You and I can't silence any calamity in our life and in our world. Only Jesus can. Paul's living under this moment of, I know what the Lord's told me. I understand that I'm going to make it through, but I don't know about my friend Luke. I don't know about any other prisoners that are up here. Man, it's chaos on this place. Listen, everyone, everyone, everyone sitting in this room and around this country and around the world goes through storms. None of them are unique. This is why the body of Christ is so glorious. Because we come together in a room like this and we gather around other people that are hot messes. We gather around people that are walking through storms and say, can I tell you about my storm and how I'm drowning? Yes, please tell me because I'm going through my own storm. Listen, how I'm drowning. How can I love you? How can you love me? How can I pray for you? How can you pray for me? Let's support each other. This becomes our natural lifeboat in the name of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do to control the calamity that's around us. We have to fully trust and believe that he's in the hands of the Father. We all go through storms. The second lesson I believe we see here is this, is that there's only one navigational tool. Look what happens in verse 20. They have just jettisoned everything off with their own hands. And in verse 20 it says, For many days neither sun nor stars appeared, and a severe storm kept raging. Finally all hope that we would be saved will disappear. You can hear desperation in Luke's words here. It's deep. It's thick. It's filled with hopelessness. And I would venture to say that in a room this size, you may be sitting here this morning with that same feeling. Look what Luke says in the beginning of verse 20. He says, for many days neither sun nor stars appeared. Listen, for sailors in this day and time, this is how they navigated everything. It would be like you and I getting our car saying, hey, we're going to drive to South Dakota with no map and no Siri. 
you to just jump on the road and have no direction as to how you're going to get there. The stars by night and the sun by day, this is how sailors traverse the ocean. And without those tools, any hope of navigating in the right direction is lost. As human beings, sometimes we consider this a bad place to be in life when our navigation system fails, whenever we, we can't reset or we can't recalibrate or we can't we send the information to, to anyone. We feel like that we're desperate and that we're hopeless and we can't figure out how to put things back in control. Can I tell you this? There's only one true navigational source, and it's the Lord. You see the context that's happening in the ship? You've got one man who's completely calm. His name is Paul. Why? Because he's been given the promise that he is going to be in front of Caesar. He's got full trust in the middle of the panic and the chaos that his navigational sights are set on the end goal. For the rest of them, they're living in the moment. Chaos ensues. The waves and the wind, everything is breaking the ship apart. There's nothing on the boat anymore except for human beings and a little bit of food. They've got nothing to hold on to. Even the navigational tools, they can't see. But then we have times in our life when we do the same thing. We know what the answer is, is to run to the Father. But man, sometimes our prayers don't go well as they do. At least we don't feel like they are. We feel like that there's a void here. We feel like that it's hollow in our desperation and in our cries. But it doesn't change who God is. He's the true source. Listen, at times in our life when we need to resend and reset and recalibrate every part of who we are, the only navigational tool is the Lord. There's no point of reference or calibration outside of Jesus. He's the true navigational tool. Here's the third lesson I believe we learn in this, is that we can't know deliverance until there's a storm. Can we pause right here for just a second if I can? This is tough to swallow. If you're in here this morning and you've given your life to Christ, could you imagine the day that you sat down and you said, Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Savior. If in that moment, whoever you're talking to, even if the Lord himself had looked you in the eye and said, That's awesome. That's great. I'm so excited to call you to call you a child, but you need to know this, the rest of your life is going to be filled with storms. And the reason that's going to happen is because you're never going to know the glory of who I am until you're in the midst of them and come out of them. How many of us would have still signed up for that? Because ultimately what the Lord is saying is this, is that you live in a broken and fallen world, but even to break through all of that brokenness. That's hard to swallow. Look what happens in verse 21. Again, Luke tells us, he says, Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage alone. Now I urge you to take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For this night an angel of God I belong to stood by me, saying, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, for God has graciously given you all those who have sailed with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told me. 
However, we just run aground on a certain element. Listen, we can't know deliverance until there is a storm. Now, don't miss this picture in your mind. The storm, the waves, the wind, everything is tossing this boat around. There's panic, there's confusion. And in the midst of this, Paul stands up and decides it would be a good idea to give a mini-sermon. He's like, hey, by the way, while I was sleeping last night, the Lord sent somebody and told me this is what's going to happen. Now, up to this point, the word had only been Paul had to stand before Caesar. There was no mention of the rest of the people on the boat. Now, all of a sudden, God has revealed through the darkness nobody was going to perish. Look what he says in verse 24. Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. On this boat, there's probably all kinds of different religions. There's probably all kinds of different gods represented on the ship of tyrants. But in the midst of the panic and chaos, listen, none of those gods and none of those religions answered. There was only one that answered. Look, let me tell you this morning, if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, if you don't take a note on anything else, that's fine, but you need to hear this this morning. When it's all said and done, when the storms of this world are all gone, you know what Scripture tells us? That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know what that tells me? That it doesn't matter how long the storm lasts in this broken and panicky world, that if one day the light's going to break through. And when it does, nobody's going to be able to deny that Jesus is Lord. And so whatever storm that you're walking through right now, if you feel like it's not going to end, and let me tell you, friend, your storm may not end, at least on this earth. But at some point, Jesus is going to return, and he's going to roll every cloud back. And he's going to take every piece of darkness, and he's going to burst through in a glorious light. That's when we know there's only one God that can answer that question. It's not going to come from any other religion. It's not going to come from any other God. It's not going to come from any other person. It's not going to come from any foreign entity. It's going to come from Jesus alone. And if you want to take something with you this morning, you need to know that whatever darkness you're walking through, whatever panic is ensuing in your life, Jesus is still the King. And nothing will change that. And He is willing to answer in the midst of the panic. And He is willing to in the midst of the chaos. And when confusion continues to come in and around us, He is still God. And He is still in control. That's telling us we've got to walk through storms in order to experience the glory of God. All throughout the book of Acts, we get chunks of stories like this and accounts like this. And, and we can look at Acts and and I've heard actual pastors say this, preachers say, listen, the gospel doesn't exist in the book of Acts. And what I mean by that is the gospel meaning follow Jesus and accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Can I tell you here in Acts chapter 27, there's no greater vision of what the gospel is. Why did God send His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to save a wretch like you and me? And what is happening right here, God is answering in the midst of the chaos, saying, if you trust me, I am your great deliverer. There is no greater sense of the gospel than what we see right here. God being on time to save and deliver in our most desperate hour. How will you and I ever know true deliverance? 
to the flock of Israel. Listen, our storm of sin has called for a forgiver in the name of Jesus. Our panic and something like the worldwide chaos that we're sitting in has called for a deliverer in his name of Jesus. Our wave-tossed, wind-blown, hot mess of a past needs a redeemer. Guess what? His name is Jesus. And our broken and torn and shattered souls, they need a healer. Listen, I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what desperation or chaos is ensuing in your life. I don't know what kind of lifeboat you're trying to crawl into. But can I tell you, if it's not at the foot of the cross, believing and trusting in Jesus, then you're trying to get into the wrong boat. What we see here with Paul is his utter trust in the Redeemer, in the Deliverer. What he needed most in his life was that faith in God. And that's what we see happening here. You know, one of the things that I used to have conversations with parents about a lot when I was doing kids ministry for so many years, parents would come and they would sit in my office or catch them in the hallway and they would say, how can I, how can I share about Jesus with my children? reading Bible stories at night, we're, we're trying to pray together as a family, we're trying to do quiet time, I mean, we, we just don't seem like we're getting through to our children. Well, number one, if you're doing those things with your children, then you're drunk on them. That's exactly what you need to be doing with your children. But can I tell you what I would tell those parents also is, like, is this, probably one of the greatest ways you're going to share about who Jesus is in your life as a parent is how you react to what you run to in the middle of chaos in your life. You're in a storm as a parent, and you're running to the cross, and you're talking about your faith in Christ, and how he's going to deliver you, and how he's going to move you. Can I tell you that's one of the greatest witnesses you will ever have for your children? Same conversation can be said for older adults. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for older adults that I can watch through, watch walk through bad times and watch how they react. How are they trusting in the Lord? That, that's painting a picture of the gospel for me that I need in my life. How you walk through panic times with your spouse. How you walk through panic times in your job. How you, how you walk through and traverse storms in this world by trusting in Jesus as the great deliverer, as the great healer, as the redeemer paints a vivid picture for all of us in your life of the true gospel. Desperate you are for Jesus. Listen, friend, I don't know where you are this morning, but I can tell you that he's your Jesus. If you've walked in here this morning and you've got baggage, can I tell you Jesus is taking care of it? You come in here this morning, you're talking about addiction, you're talking about things that you're trying to get out of your life, the answer is Jesus. Whatever lifeboat you're trying to climb into and whatever you're trying to hold on to and traverse with your own hands and frame out because you want to be in control of something, I can tell you, Jesus can take all that from you. I don't know where you are in life, what darkness you may be walking through, but I tell you, the name is Jesus. He's the answer for that. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Him, you've never trusted Him this morning, say, hey, listen, I'd love to have that conversation with the Brian Wood any young piece around would love to do that. Listen, the answer is Jesus. Chaos, panic, confusion, these are Satan's greatest games. And the more we focus on them, the less we take our eyes and keep them 
Listen, would you bow your heads this morning and close your eyes and let's just learn and come back up and we're going to sing one last song. As they're coming, listen, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and life's going really, really good right now. You've got a bunch of answers. Things are behaving, jobs going well. Home life is good. Praise the Lord for that. Like literally, you need to praise the Lord for that. Because all of us, whether we know it or not, we either are in the middle of the storm, we're just coming out of the storm, or we're about to enter the storm. Because we live in a fallen broken world. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. You don't know what that means, you don't know what it looks like, but you've kind of reached that point where you've tried everything else and you're willing to try this Jesus thing. Listen, let's talk about it. We'd love to share that with you. This is why he died on the cross for you and for me, so that we could find healing. And in those times of desperation, we could find comfort and it would be in him. If you're here this morning and everything just seems really good. Maybe the storm is spilling the waters this morning. Maybe you just need to sit down where you are and pray. Maybe you come to this altar. Whatever it may be this morning, my prayer that you would know that you're right here in the presence of God. Heavenly Father, here we are. We pray that you would just lead us and help us to trust you more. Thank you for being the light in the midst of the darkness. Thank you for being with us in the storm of our world, but in the midst of the panic and confusion, that you lean on you and that you're our hope. Father, be with us in these next few moments. May we be obedient to you in whatever you call us to. Thank you, Father, for helping me with that. Amen. Listen, whatever your step of obedience is this morning, I'll be close to the front. If you want to stand and sing along, this altar is open. Listen, you respond this morning to how the Lord is leading. Would you stand with me?